Hello, hello, dear listeners of Utopia Educators. This is your host, Emmanuel Barrera, and we are here today in another episode bringing to you guys the most informative session. We will be in today's podcast talking about languages and how they have been studied all throughout Latin America and all throughout the United States. We will be emphasizing some differences between Spanish and English and how English is mainly thought in the United States of America versus how it is thought in Latin America and its Spanish-speaking country. So we will be here talking about languages and we have a very special guest with us today in our company, Julia, which is a teacher and a tutor specialized in accent modification and currently pursuing a master's degree in bilingual therapy. She is an avid language learner and she loves languages. She speaks English, she speaks Spanish, Portuguese, ASL, Italian, and French. Uh, she is also um, managing the degree of specializing better as a tutor in English and in Spanish. So it is really a pleasure to have you here today with us, Julia. How are you feeling? Thank you. Thank you for the wonderful introduction. I'm feeling great. Great. Thank you. Um, okay, so you are living in the United States right now, right? That's correct. Okay, so that is awesome because we were we were we were asked to be doing this episode in order to let our listeners to let our listeners know that learning English can be something in the United States as it is different in Latin America and how English teachers in Latin America teach with their system. So Julia, here we are talking languages and we know that English language learning has become an important strategic issue across the Latin region. Um, also, different countries have developed national strategies, different points of how to study English as a second language, right? English is a second language. Yes, there are some creative programs in, in you know, different countries with national strategies uh, who created programs and made important investments to expand a little bit more the access to English learning opportunities, to better employment, to better uh, life opportunities and better chances in a foreign country. So mm -hmm. we know that learning English in Latin America with a particular focus on assessing the policies in different places and identifying key um, the key of learning a different a different point uh, of of any job, you know, when we're when we're talking about the key of learning English, we know that this could be an advantage for many people who speak Spanish and would like to improve their level in English. So, Julia, first of all, we would like to hear from your experience as a tutor what has been something really hard for you to teach in Spain who speaks Spanish. Hmm, okay. I great question. So, um, I do work with a lot of students that um, from Spanish-speaking countries that want to learn how to speak English. Um, I work with, you know, with grammar and also accent. So mm -hmm. I have to approach those differently. Um, when it comes to grammar, um, there's a lot of difficulty in. Um, phrases with prepositions there's a lot of prepositions that are different between spanish and exactly. english um, and, yeah and then also sentence structure like for example since it's like i don't know where that is a lot of 
my um, Spanish coach will say, I don't know who's that. Um, uh-huh. And that's a really common error that I hear, even in the most advanced students. Um, uh-huh. And yeah, a lot of those really difficult flaws, like what I said, are really difficult for, for um, learners of English that speak Spanish. Just accent was um, a lot of the short vowels are difficult. So we have long, long vowels in English. The long vowels say their name. So like E, O, U, or U, um, A. Exactly. And then have a short vowel like I, I and A. And the vowel mm-hmm. is for Spanish speakers because they know Spanish. So, yeah, the accent doesn't um, say Spanish. So that's right. the problem. So a lot of times I end up working on those vowel sounds. Only work on how to produce them. We also have to work on how to recognize them in words and mm-hmm. in sentences. Totally. So, so, so yeah, usually, so, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was just gonna say that usually um, I work on you know short vowels and long vowels and how to pronounce them, and then go into how I teach them in um, in a how do I recognize them in words? How do they look differently? Because, you know, as we all know, English is really hard to read because it doesn't sound how it looks, right? Exactly. It sounds so totally different than how it looks, how it seems. Mm-hmm. So here, talking about uh, the difference between English being thought, with the grammar, the pronunciation, with sentence skills, with different areas, when that is universal language that nowadays is very important in Latin America for Spanish speakers to learn it. But what mm-hmm. about people who study in Spanish and also study in English, their literature in English thought in, in North America? We know that some people have said that they think uh, North Americans have mindset that probably this country, uh, they may not be good at languages. And this is not something that just happens in North America. A lot of people from France, from Italy, from Brazil, mainly talking about Brazil, uh, we know that some people say we are not good at learning languages. But this is not always true because mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who rather just study French, just rather just study Spanish, German, or even Japanese. And that doesn't mean that they are bad at learning languages. Mm-hmm. Latin continue to be very commonly thought in the United States, right, Julia? Yes, that's true. And, yes, and we are increasingly mm-hmm. Spanish, increasingly yes. uh, learners of Spanish in the United States. Indeed. So there are some, <laughs> you know, some people who study different languages and then they kind of feel uncomfortable because they feel like they were not definitely born for that. And that is something that is something to take into account when we are learning languages. We we sure know that learning a language it's something that requires passion and that requires a lot of effort and love for it. But yeah. what about Julia? What about the people who are from your point of view? What do you think about the people who think in Spanish there is a sentence or a phrase, a saying that goes by? Loro viejo no aprende a hablar when an old parent never learns to never learns to speak, right? So this saying goes to all people who 
who are living in 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 a, in a different country in a different uh, speaking country and they go like i would never be able to remain my studies in this language or even become better what do you think that what do you think that people learning at an old age should take into consideration Okay, I really like this question. So there's a lot of things to keep in mind. First of all, um, th there are multiple things that uh, that go into being good at learning languages, right? You, it, it has yeah. to do with your personality. So uh, research shows that people who uh, are talkative, people who are responsive, so they're good at responding, um, you know, and making connections and having like, right. full responses to what people are saying. And people who are risk takers mm -hmm. generally um, do well at learning languages because uh, if you don't want to take a risk and maybe say a word and make a mistake, then you're not going to learn from that mistake. So that's number one. Personality does play a role. Um, and then age, of course, also plays a role, like you said. Um, but that's not to say that older people can't learn languages. We look at people like Steve Kaufman, right, who is um, really well known by the polyglot and language community, who learned most mm -hmm. of his languages after he retired. So we know that that's not always the case. Um, a big factor is motivation. Like you said, you need to be motivated to learn the language and you need to have a passion for it to be able to be successful. Um, exactly. And yeah and and also just um as far as age goes when you're younger um you you go through this uh you go through this process called synaptic pruning so when you're really young you have a bunch of pathways that you can easily make right in your brain um that uh makes learning easier right that's why we say children are like sponges when we get older, as we get older, we go through a process called synaptic pruning, where we, uh, those connections sort of go away. We don't really need them uh, as much as we get older because we're not learning at such a fast rate. So, mm -hmm. In such a fast way as children would do. Exactly. So when you're older, you don't have um, as much of a capability to make connections. But that just means mm -hmm. that we need to put more effort into um, learning the same thing over and over so the brain realizes that this is something important. Throughout the day, we have so many things that we, we learn, we take in so much information. The brain needs to know what is okay to, to, to forget and what we want to stay. Right? So if we have exactly. repeated input, we have repeated input of the same words, the same um, structures, then that's how our brain gets now, oh, this is important, um, this should stay. That's an older people. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about how old is a person to learn a different language. It's absolutely uh, not true because um, anyone can learn from a different age, but this is also when you that some people say that children are like because from age they specifically learn in a better way and someone uh, from a different another person will learn. And we know that well you never told to solve learning like there are only systems interested in learning different languages because from, from, from different research we know that it works off the, the, the rate of the brain. Uh, even some science diseases uh, we 
we take duration at number of senior citizens learn languages for that reason for it specifically because some people well do believe and do really think that when learning a language these help that you wouldn't get any kind of these like Alzheimer's or forgetting because you're actually right. um, helping helping to, to take to, to not really um, take take progress into the, the generation of the brain. But we also know that no when you start, you can you be a successful speaker in language if you practice, if you take patience for we're talking about sponges and whips room. Half of the organization this have to sound it like like the beat the sounds and definitely can extremely better language than anyone else would do with time. It's definitely a matter of time on, on the tap. So talking the early start, talking about the early start and the long from language, it, it means that it'll be the more proficient you become in language. And well, talking about children, talking about uh, the language processing children, uh, Julia, what do you think of people from from Latin America who have moved to the United States and probably well, they they, they can they can seem to improve their English uh, language learning. And I asked because I have a friend in, in Miami who was from uh from here from Venezuela and she moved there and basically she said she could not be able to study or to improve her English because there was a, a wide community of speakers uh people who would speak Spanish in, in, in that community in that area where she would be and she she seemed she seemed that this was a, an impossible thing to do to improve her English. What do you think that? What do you think about people who move to United States and learn English? What do you think would be the the, the most uh, difficult thing for them uh, to try and communicate? Do you think that it's maybe because they're moving to another country where they have zero zero notions about English, or do you think it's because they don't like to learn another language and only rap the community? Well, I think it's really difficult to, um, to meet new people when you move, first of all, right? I've lived mm -hmm. um, in other countries before, namely Spain. Um, I lived in Spain twice. And I my, awesome. myself <laughs> found it difficult to find people, especially people from that area. I think when you move somewhere, um, mm -hmm. you know, people that are native of that area generally have their friends already, right? It's much easier to make friends with other people who aren't from there who were also trying to make friends, right? So I had exactly. that difficulty when I was going to Spain, finding people that were actually Spanish, you know, that wanted to, um, that, that were interested in a friendship right, with somebody outside of their circle, right? Um, I found it much easier to find other Erasmus students uh, from different places. And I think that that's the experience of a lot of people. Um, when, right. when it comes to the United States, I think there's also this culture of, um, you know, this risk when it comes to immigration. A lot of people feel have strong feelings about immigration, um, totally. And, and, and that leads to a sort of stigma and a sort of um, negative feelings towards people that come from different places. 
So I think that adds mm-hmm. to the difficulty, um, especially I have to say in the South, um, where there's more immigration, right? And I think more people feel that way. Um, so yeah, I think that that definitely plays a role. And, um, and, and also it's different from if you move when you're a child, right? Versus if you move when right. you're an adult, right? Um, and I think we're going to be talking about, you know, schools, right? And um, children from different, yeah. yeah, communities coming to schools in the U.S., so yeah, I think I think it's difficult, especially in in today's um, society where uh, you can't just go out to a bar and, and meet people, right? Um, there are certain uh, restrictions in place, and you want to be safe, right? So I think it makes exactly. it more difficult. And masks make For them. it more difficult to understand other people, right? Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I think those are big factors. Those are big factors um, talking, yeah, about the immigration. When you said that immigration would be a problem for a lot of people, uh, just to add that this would be a difficult uh, difficult thing for them. This means that, yeah, due to the situation and the crisis in some countries in Latin America, we, we, we would be talking about then about English language learning in Latin America and how they have been coming to United States with uh, the basic stuff in English. We know that mm-hmm. as countries in Latin America, they seek to enhance their competition and prospects for economic growth. Different skill gaps of, of various types emerge that actually represent potentially serious, uh, we would say, bottlenecks and different problems, different mm-hmm. uh, differences between the English uh, language learning system and the Spanish uh, language learning system. We know mm-hmm. that its proficiency is one such skill in Latin America. So uh, here in this fact, in, in this factor, we know that uh, a question we made, how proficient are Latin Americans in English? Are schools and other educational institutions really teaching properly uh, the Spanish speakers in Latin America? Is the region really providing a solid foundation uh, that will position Latin American workers in the United States in favorably for better employment opportunities in a in a position that they would be living properly living well perhaps surprisingly we know that these are not really easy questions to answer because there are a lot of factors to take into consideration mm-hmm. we know that in America, the limit in information available suggests that English language learning in Latin America is deficient. And while many governments are making important efforts to, to fix the situation in the English learning process, in the English learning system, taking in, in Latin America, the remaining gaps are significant. Furthermore, we have to add that there are a lot of people who don't have uh, the access to different information to they don't have the access to a good education. And we know that English proficiency is is very pretty much essential for international collaboration and success in the global economy. And when, when we talk about this, Julia, we know that the international business community recognizes that the growing importance of English proficiency for international collaboration and success in the global economy. But mm-hmm. what about the people who start learning languages and not only languages, but specifically focus on English just because they would like to move to the United States, to Canada, to Australia, to New Zealand, to any English-speaking country. What happens when they start learning from a young age and then they give up 
do you think that mainly when they give up, they, they, they could be able to lose all of the knowledge that they have already learned in the past or before? Uh, in in compare with compare with how they have learned um, another language, <laughs> this question I mean I mean this question in the way that some people give up their studies in right. language from a young age and then they remain their studies again once more uh, when with the pass of time two or three years later they be like I I do remember a little bit of this language but then I because they were young at that age but then when they grow older when they get older and they want to move to another country in this case United States we know that some people in Latin America may have some basic stuff from a young age but then they forget the basic stuff right. that they used to have when they moved to United States what do you think is the main problem for for, for this uh, because Is it because they don't have anyone to practice with in Latin America? Or do you think is it because they just gave up and decided to, to not learn anymore related to this foreign language? Um, so uh, I think that it's very common that people will stop learning English, right? And then come back to it. The first thing yeah. that goes is vocabulary. Um, usually, you know, if you're not using certain vocabulary, for example, I've Uh, like I said, I lived in Spain twice. I, the last time I was in Spain was in 2018. And even though my Spanish is still proficient, the first thing mm -hmm. that went for me was my vocabulary that, you know, that especially the, the slang that I used to use every day. And now when I speak Spanish, I don't speak with native speakers. So I don't use that slang um, as much. Or maybe I use I, I talk to Uh, speakers from different from different places that don't use Spain slang, right? Yeah, so, like um, the slang there. Right. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, vocabulary is usually the first to go, and then grammar, right? And once mm -hmm. you've learned something once, it'll be easier to learn it a second time. Um, also, the factor of you know, like I said, if you're not speaking with native speakers, it's completely different practicing your language with uh, a native speaker and practicing your language with another um with another second language speaker of english right um exactly because your your input you don't know if you're getting perfect input right you don't know if someone says something if that's the correct way to say it and then maybe you pick it mm -hmm. up and then maybe that's not actually the way that you say it um you so pick it up and then you wouldn't know any other way to to pronounce this word Right. And, and people don't generally correct you, right, when they're speaking to you. Maybe mm -hmm. they will if you ask them um, to exactly. do it. But even if you ask them, I think sometimes people just don't want to have that responsibility, don't want to make you feel bad. Um, and correcting is how we learn, right? How you say the same thing Definitely. a million times and nobody tells me, then I'm going to keep doing it. But if I say it wrong and somebody tells me, then I'm going to be able to be aware of that. And maybe over the mm -hmm. next few times that I use it, I'll remember, oh, right, I don't say it this way. Um, and uh, regarding what you said before with um, learning, you know, in, in Latin American schools, learning English, I think a big mistake that people make is separating English and Spanish, the, sec uh, the other language, completely. Um, mm -hmm. Research shows that it's best to use the first language to, to learn the second language. 
because you have something that's called um, universal, forget what it's exactly called, but it's like universal underlying proficiency. That's what it was. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have information about your first language that you can use to learn your second language. You're starting from nothing. You're starting from, you know, and, and you, especially if you have no context to learn English, somebody's just speaking to you in a language and you're not, you don't have visuals to anchor that, that, that word to something in the real, in the real world, right? Then it's going to be difficult to remember it in the future. So, um, so yeah, I think that separating English and Spanish uh, is really, it's not a good idea, but it's not a good idea because you should be using the language that you have, uh, that you already have to learn the new language, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. it's like, I have a notion. Learn, it's like if you know how to play violin and then you learn to play the guitar, which is what happened to me, actually. Um, <laughs> you, you have, you have this sort of proficiency with, um, okay, like I know how to, you know, to use my fingers, right? You have that dexterity in your hand and that translates over to the guitar right you can't avoid it you can't avoid it so why not use it why not say you know how you do this on the violin well this is how on the guitar right and you can use that information you already have to introduce new in order to become better Uh introducing knowledge you're more likely to remember it if you can anchor that knowledge to something you already know then you're building on an old idea instead of using, you know, instead of learning a whole idea, which is going to be harder to remember. Exactly. Using like, okay, when we're talking about this, it's really important to take into consideration that all a lot learn this way, having uh, knowledge in encouraging in, in primary language, and then relating this language to another one. In this case, we'll be emphasizing the case of Portuguese and Spanish. There are a lot of people who think in in Brazil, Brazilians, Brazilian Portuguese speakers, who believe that Spanish is even harder for them. And people in Venezuela who speak Spanish and are really close to the border through through Brazil, they said that Portuguese for them has been a lot of a lot of easier thing to do and start because they consider the story in Portuguese is is more likely to be recognized. For some Spanish speakers, mm-hmm. as if they were, uh, as if they were understand why these people would be talking to them, and but in this context, we know that when we're talking about when 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 there when there are problems in Latin America for people learning English, uh, we know that the reality, however, is is more complex. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that the actual access to English language learning in, in schools is far from universal. Even though people say English is a universal language, in Latin America, it must be said that the participation in English classes is not really tracked as a per, uh, how we say, like, when people participate a lot and feel, like, motivated to keep going on studying language. In Latin America, this doesn't really happen because yeah. the invention may be available, right? But it's often incomplete, inaccessible for some students, or even outdated when some yeah. teachers can't teach properly English language. 
this is a problem because when we're talking about differences between the system and the system of learning Spanish and learning English compared with the system of learning Spanish and learning English in Latin America is really a different a different way, something really different. And we know that when, when in Spanish when there are different polyglotas, polyglot people who learn languages, it's just because they have started uh lang different languages from a young age uh, and also uh, practice through the internet right in this case julia i i also consider to ask what do you think about the use of internet in latin america and also in north america for people who love languages and would 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 like to practice their language skills with an, with a foreign with a foreign speaker what do you think do you think that this is a good idea or do you think that it may be dangerous for some people if they are not really careful about who they are talking to and how they are um how they are taking this experience in a way that they can learn uh an exchange of the communication with someone and this someone can learn in the, in the communication exchange with you if you are learning english and this other person is learning spanish do you think that it is a good idea to learn through uh the internet through different platforms like discord like skype like zoom do you think that is it dangerous or is it a good idea in some cases if you are careful with it Yeah, I definitely think it's a good idea. I definitely think with anything related to the internet, there's, you know, good things and bad things, right? Um, right. In addition to, you know, talking to native speakers, there there's also a bunch of resources that you can use to learn languages online, um, you know, both free and paid. But um, when it comes to, yeah, discussing with native speakers i think that's the best way to learn especially when you've gotten to a place where you're conversational i think um a mistake that a lot of learners make is start trying to talk with native speakers when they aren't conversational yet um exactly and then, and then you know not really helping them um unless you know there are situations where that can be that can work For example, um, when I was first learning Portuguese, I had already learned um, Spanish. So I used my Spanish to learn Portuguese while talking to other, um, uh, to Brazilians. So, for example, what I did was I put my keyboard into Portuguese. And when I didn't know a word, I would type it in, in Spanish and then look at the suggestions. And then, um, right, and then try totally. to speak like that. So I had that background knowledge that I was able to communicate sufficiently. But with people who don't have the basics and they try to talk to, to other people, it results in a lot of um, awkward situations. And that might actually, yeah. it, might, it might dissuade them from continuing learning because they might have bad experiences um, with it. So um, another thing I want to say is that a lot of, learners um either through schools or through the internet they learn um vocabulary in categories so they learn um you know colors they learn animals you know the they basic stuff. Them yeah right which is which is good it's good to know those things but how mm -hmm. in a conversation um a normal conversation do you bring up animals right only if you're talking about your pet maybe or if you went to like a zoo or something exactly um, oh, you're just you know, learning the basic stuff but you barely put them outside in a conversation 
Right. So you learn the basics, but those basics are, you know, categories of uh, vocabulary without learning the, you know, the building blocks, the, you know, the grammar to be able to put it together, then you're mm-hmm. not going to be able to have a conversation as quickly and you might get frustrated mm-hmm. and you up. Whereas if you exactly. learn the most common vocabulary um, with, uh, you know, a, a system like Close Master, I really like uh, C-L-O-Z-E Master. Um, it's a site where you learn in order of the most common words to the least common words and you fill in the blank so you have a context it's important to always uh, when you're learning have a, a close range to that contact right right you want to um you want to have a context that you can look back and say oh okay i used this word in that context it worked in that context mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of learning oh okay this word means this because then you can't attach it to anything. It's just floating, right? In the middle of nowhere. So you can't attach it. In the middle it to of nowhere. Yeah. Right. It's just <laughs> floating in your in your head, right? And it's gonna it's gonna leave really quickly. And even right? it's gonna leave eventually because if you don't like you, you can have the the, the, the knowledge meaning in the language. Like when you said some people learn colors, some people learn animals, but in what context would you really be using them? Even like just a couple of times if you're talking about your pet or if you're talking about the other person's pet, just in in, in, in a short amount of times you would be using this into context, yeah. right? And, and um, it's really complicated. And it's kind of funny because I learn languages that way and then I'm having like a full conversation and then I don't know how to say like a really simple word, you know? Yeah, so, I mean, something super basic. Right, but but it's because I learned through you know, the most common words, so I can have a full conversation. But today I learned the word in Portuguese for, for ground, and I've been speaking Portuguese for like two years. But I never, it never I imagine up. that. I've never, you never lived, came up. Right. And nev- I never lived in Brazil. I never had to talk about something on the ground. Like, I just, you know, it never came up in my conversations, and it, I didn't need it, you know? So when you try to study in, in categories, and you learn those basic words, you know, you, you, you're building up this really rich vocabulary system, but at the same time, totally. you're, gonna, you're, you're not going to be able to communicate as quickly. Exactly. In, in, in Julia, when, when we talk about the vocabulary and grammar, this is, this is awesome because it, it's totally true. When people don't build a good connection with a language and don't build a good vocabulary, they eventually won't be able to communicate without a vocabulary. Because we know that without any kind of, uh, any kind of consistent vocabulary, we, we sure wouldn't be able to communicate anything, anything super basic, like, I would like to eat ice cream, right? Just a, mm-hmm. a simple sentence. But if you don't know what you're going to say, what would you like to eat, what thing you would like to eat, it's because probably you haven't studied uh, a couple of words in that context. But here, right. when you say about the the, the, the words uh, least least used and oftenly used, this is absolutely helpful and useful because I I also do remember that I learned Portuguese this way. 
uh, learning uh, learning the process and how people communicate in Brazil and how people communicate in Portugal, the differences and also that the, the words in the in a in a simple vocabulary like basic vocabulary, intermediate vocabulary, and then advanced vocabulary, and also knowing the different systems that other countries have in order to improve your your foreign language learning system. And talking about this, we know that in, in Brazil, people have their own system of learning English. There are some low proficiency levels and other people have high proficiency levels speaking in English. But when we are when we are learning a language, we have to take into account that learning a language, it's it's just a matter of time when you take you probably take a notebook and you study vocabulary. But what about what about people who don't study by notebooks, by taking notes, by anything, but rather to study being, for example, being in a, in a context when you don't understand anything and you just jump to this conversation trying to understand. Do you think that this is healthy? Do you think that it is it useful in some cases? Because there are some people who say, no, I, I went to this country and I completely didn't understand anything at first, but then eventually with the pass of time, I do remember that then I could be able to just improve my my my, uh, my vocabulary, my listening skills, just with the pass of time, like roughly being in a country forced to learn this language, but not really taking notes, not really being into 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 a language really that deep. Do you think yeah. that is it helpful to just probably go to another country and not understand anything, and then with the pass of time, you will be practicing this language, or do you think that is it is it um advice or even recommend that to have a certain basic stuff in a different foreign language so it depends right because you know if you're talking about somebody that speaks uh Spanish going to brazil and living there then that's completely mm -hmm. feasible right you so right so this has to do with the the theory of comprehensible input so um uh, this is you know research that's done by linguists You have to have comprehensible input, um, so you have to understand what's being said to you to a certain extent to be able to um, communicate. So, um, and to be able to understand what people are are talking about. Um, so, for example, if I were to go to China, right, and they were talking to me and I didn't understand, with the pass of time, I I still wouldn't understand unless unless there was um, mm -hmm. enough context, right? If they, uh, you know, showed me a picture of something and then said the word, and then, you know, you would relate that something else and then said the word and then put them together, then I can understand what's happening. But with just hearing uh, a bunch of Chinese, I, with the passage of time, I wouldn't get better at learning Chinese. I would need more support than that. Uh, so, So, um, so yeah, I, the way you said, I don't really write down things that much. I might write down things when I learn a certain word because writing it down helps me. Uh, mm -hmm. but I don't look Some certain words. notes, really. Um, when I was living in Spain, I had like a list of words that I would write down, like in my notes app on my phone. Um, right. And then I would kind of go back to them or ask my friends about them when I had the time. Um, but 
yeah, I didn't really have like notes that I would go back to and look at and all that. So, um, yeah, I think it's definitely possible, but you have to be able to understand a significant amount. I would even venture to say 50%. You need to be able to understand 50% of what's being said to you for you to mm -hmm. be able to not get discouraged, right? Not, oh my God, I can't understand most of what they're saying, right? Uh, you're not getting the main idea. You need to be able exactly. to get the main idea to be able to... Um, because when you're overwhelmed with stuff that you don't know in a sentence, then you can't learn all those new things. If you people are talking to you and you uh, don't understand, you know, a finite number of words, then those words you can kind of figure out the context of and figure out mm -hmm. what they mean. But when or you even don't know them dumb. almost anything of what they said, then you don't have that capability to put it, put the, you know, put two and two together. And, and, figure out what those unknown words mean mm -hmm. yeah and even even when when people learn a uh, different language there is a big problem related to how they break their eyes and what it may seem as the main problem to learn in foreign language even uh, if you were saying you can't really be overwhelmed with a uh, 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 a different amount of sentences but you must or you should actually uh, take a look into the context of these sentences and how would you use them in a phrase, right? Because this is really helpful. As you said, mm -hmm. when you were in Spain, you would take a look into your list of words and this is absolutely helpful because yeah, when we, maybe when we go to improve our, um, our learning system or learning uh, progress in a language to another country, we take this to another level. How do we talk about another level when we go to another country? We talk about this another level because mainly we are putting all of our effort in into a language, right? We are just trying to communicate into a foreign language and our whole life evolves around it. It's like when, when you were saying, eventually, if you were in China, eventually with the pass of time, probably you wouldn't remember this word, but then you would relate some other uh, cognitive um like cognitive systems and how to remember that word specifically talking because you would relate this um this uh, this symbol with this another symbol and then you would eventually oh yeah i do remember this one because i i i kind of saw this one similar even that happens with different words um mm -hmm. in 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 the context when 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 people learn english in latin america we know that they have different problems to face even even when they say that English may may look as an easy language it is it is an easy language for them or probably would look as an easy language as they mm -hmm. say but specifically the problem with people uh, learning English in Latin America it's because they are probably afraid or in, in, in most cases they are afraid to communicate with people from another country where they actually are native English speakers and they they kind of they kind of feel overwhelmed by just some sentences that they don't know the meaning of or probably the context of these words and yeah just concluding to this julia i really wanted to ask you what would be your advice as a tutor in spanish and english for for new english students when when they are looking for help 
when when trying to communicate, probably when they're trying to communicate through the internet with strangers in order to learn another language, uh, using good sources like uh, writing down the words that they have learned, what would be your main advice for English students who are afraid to take uh, to take another level into the process of learning a foreign language? How how to, to, to get better, how to become better? How, what tips would you give to them in order to become better at a foreign language in an easier way? Yeah, so for, for students that may be shy, that have a really hard time like approaching native speakers, I think it's really helpful to use those apps that we talked about earlier that um, you know pair you with someone that's learning your language and uh, you're learning their language, right? Because then you feel on an equal level. I feel like when mm -hmm. and you want to find someone that is on an equal level with you, right? So, for example, if you're really basic in English and they know your language perfectly, they might get, you know, frustrated because they're helping you more than you're helping them, you know? Exactly. Them. There is not an equality there. Exactly. You want there to be that equality for you to be able to feel comfortable enough to make mistakes because mm -hmm. you don't want to feel like you're a burden to them right you want to feel mm -hmm. like you know you're helping each other equally um and equally if, right and, and if you're you know if you're a shy person maybe you won't want to do something like a call or a video call or a um or a, an audio call you can always send audio messages that can all that can be useful because you can listen back to them People can give you feedback and you listen back and hear where you went wrong, right? Exactly, uh, the mistakes. Call, then you can't do that. Same with writing, right? Back and forth. You can look back at your mistakes and um, there's a reminder there of, oh, I made that mistake and this is how it was corrected. And then you're more likely to remember it in the future because you have that context that you can look, you can picture head. Oh, yeah, they... This is what I said, yeah. right? I remember saying that, making that point, and this is what um, this is what they responded with. So, yeah, that's my advice. Mm, thank you so much, Julia. Like, it's really, yeah, it's really awesome to know that some, well, uh, in your case, you as a tutor, you already have the experience when, yeah, when some people feel shy, when some people feel scared, they definitely should break their eyes and just feel that they are on an equal level, right? Mm -hmm. And have the contact with someone from another country. They specifically, um, they specifically have to just uh, know that, well, they don't feel that they, they have to be sure that they don't feel as a burden to the other speaker in, in, right. in this context because the communication and, and the learning systems should be equally, uh, I implemented in both cases. If you learn from me, I can learn from you. So it's not like, yeah, like you would feel kind of a bothering for, for, for this speaker and this speaker is not really learning from you, but you are learning for, from this person in this case. Yeah. So Julia, it was it was all for today's episode here in Utopia Educators. It was really, I'm extremely honored and it was really an honor to have Julia, Julia here with us today from United States, being a tutor and telling us a little bit more about languages from her, from her point of view, from her experience and how uh, how English has been thought in, uh, in Latin America compared to, uh, to the system in United States. Thank you so much, Julia. Thank you for having me. It was really a pleasure to have you here with us today.
All right. Thank you. Enjoy. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your day too. Hi. This was a recorded podcast by Emmanuel Loretta from Utopia Educators, advancing education towards utopia.